Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Chasing Squirrels podcast. On this episode, I'm going to be talking with Jill Stambolich. And talking with Jill reinforced the fact that more conversations need to occur between secondary school instructors and elementary school instructors. Jill is a dynamic and diverse educator. She's got her... I really do think she's got her sort of finger on the pulse of what is kind of up and coming within education and some of her work that she's involved with, with something called integrative thinking, is just fascinating to me. And when I think about the projects and the diversity of projects that I know my elementary school partners are involved in, I'm only further blown away by sort of the commitment to learning new things and learning new edgy uh, tools and strategies in order to help children at the elementary level. I fully appreciate the time that it takes to develop these tools and I fully appreciate the time that Jill took out of her schedule to talk with me. It was a fantastic conversation and I gotta tell you I learned a ton. Enjoy the episode. All right, super stoked to speak with Jillian uh, Stambolich. And Jillian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. Could you, just before we get into the nuts and bolts of this, because I think I, I mentioned to you before we hit the record button, my, um, my sketch note is full of bits and pieces that I'd like to play with, but could you please just... Um, let us know what, what's your, your um, portfolio right now. What are you working on in education? I'm working on a lot, uh, testing out a lot, learning a lot. Uh, in the York Region District School Board, I, I teach a grade three and four class with a bunch of really awesome kids who are on this journey with me, with some awesome parents who are, are shifting their thinking uh, with me as well. A, a really interesting eager staff who are, are shifting all over the place and uh, meeting a lot of uh, new friends through some uh, courses I'm teaching at York University as well. So I have a, a big catchment area uh, of people that are influencing my thinking right now. I want, if I can, um, uh, like I said, I'm trying to, I try to make some connection points on the sketch note. And obviously I, I, I want to honor I want to honor what's what's of interest for you as well, but where I like to start sometimes is the whole coming, becoming the teacher. And if if you rewind it back to the beginning, did education or becoming a teacher did did you find it or did it find you? What's your origin story? That's interesting. So. Uh, when I was graduating in fourth year and I was coming out with a music degree and a phys ed degree and I said, okay, now what? <laughs> I guess, well, maybe I should look at, at education. And I applied to a very specific program, uh, which I did not get in. And I only applied to one university in one program. Uh, maybe I was trying to do that to myself because I thought for sure I was going to go into business world, into banking. Mm-hmm. And I've always been fascinated by by business and money and people. Um, and then I was at my job 
uh, working at Canada Trust at the side counter and a, uh, a young girl came in and she needed a money order because she was applying to this this new brand new program down in the States and it could start in January and she was really excited and uh, you know you could get your teaching certificate and, and off you go and and I went home that night and I went talking to my mom and dad at dinner I said that's what I want to do so in a way I, I kind of tried to push it away but it came back and found me that's awesome I remember Canada Trust does Canada Trust now it's TD Canada I thought so I can remember in my uh, university town they were yeah. they always seem to be offering very similar products and I <laughs> I didn't really connect the dots but I thought kind of similar in name the um so you you apply and you transition from sorry were you were you a teller what was your what were you doing at uh, at Canada Trust uh, Yeah yeah I was the, the the teller and those are the days when you didn't you had your own cash drawer so you were going through you know thousands and thousands and thousands of dollar a day but it was a it was a kind of job where you could kind of expect the same thing every day and you know as I mentioned before I I studied music in phys ed or it was kinesiology phys ed program and those are not the same thing every day kind of things and I'm not the same day every kind of everyday kind of person, but I was trying so hard to put myself in this in this box in this role of what I thought, you know, because I enjoyed. I, I kept saying I enjoyed money, but <laughs> I'm not after the money. It was the creativity of it actually I enjoy. I just I like problem solving, mm-hmm. and I found money problem solving interesting. But it's really I think it was the people that. Um, yeah, I was I was raised. Uh, my mom and dad owned a store, and I was up there. You know, at six, seven years old, standing on a chair working the cash register while they were busy with, you know, things in the back. So from a very early age, um, I've been fascinated by people, and then by I don't know the problem solving. I guess um, so that part of um, which became interesting in my teaching career. That's probably <laughs> a whole other other podcasts but um oh we'll definitely we'll definitely get to those pieces <laughs> you talking about the bank reminds me both of my parents my father for a lot longer was involved with the bank of nova scotia and i was always my mom did a, a stint with the bank as well as a teller and i was always mind blown and I, I i often reflect about when i think about um how jobs change and i think about when I would go to my mom got me a job sweeping the parking lot at her at her bank and it was so awesome because the the bank manager would sort of put ten dollars direct deposit but it's not like direct deposit like we know it now he would just be walking over to my mom handing her a ten dollar bill she would go into the system and put it in (laughs) so he's handing ten directly not like direct deposit digitally that we have now but I, I can remember going to you know meet my mom at the end of the day and there'd be 10 tellers on and a lineup and depending on the day of course if you're there on you know thursday or friday on payday or if you're there sort of like between 3 and 5 p.m that's their crush time and you know you go into a bank now and it's just so so fundamentally different three tellers on you know the you're you're sliding your card to do all the information there it's very rare you see someone holding an actual passbook anymore and i often think about the now and then kind of mantra and, and and even within education so i've only been involved in education for 12 years but some of the things that have very drastically changed in education you know because 
I think, like I said, if my mom had stayed in banking, she probably wouldn't have been able to remain a teller, like just by the numbers. It, it doesn't stay like that. Yeah. So what do you, what do you see in, that's my long segue into, um, that idea of change within education and how there's some pretty, pretty big paradigm shifts happening and, and we can't always hang on to the old. So if I use that teller thing, like 10 years ago, there was eight tellers on it. Now we've got three or maybe two. How does that connect to your view of education right now? It's, it's interesting. For me, the paradigm shift has been about the almost the hierarchy in the classroom. Hmm. Uh, how we see the role of the teacher, the role of the students, what what school is supposed to look like, what's supposed to happen every day. You know, you can you can easily take a day off because you leave your supply teacher plans that you know are X, Y, and Z, and here is the question you ask, no matter what the answer was before, because you know this is my plan. And so, interestingly, that has always been a struggle for me. It has always been a it was always tricky for me to understand why we had to hand in our entire year plans before we even met the kids. Oh wow! You know that that I never I never was good at that. I always had to go to somebody and say, "Help me figure this out. I don't get that." You know how do, how do we know we're going to be teaching in, in you know in December when you know what, what what if something changes? What if something happens? So it's so in that way, I feel this rejuvenation in my own practice, but in teaching in general, where we can actually start to question and rethink what's really best for kids, what's really best for learning. But that also then puts a lot of emphasis on looking at yourself as a, a teacher, as an educator and saying, okay, what, you know, what, what are you actually going to do differently because you say this, but now what are you going to do? And to be able to do that, what do you need to do or learn or, you know, be differently? What's your mindset? What's the skill set that you need to be? I love I love the I love the um, the segue that you're giving me here. I'm gonna I'm gonna t- time travel a little bit with you. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to the past and I'm gonna bring it right up to the current because I I, I feel as if we're just on the edge of talking about your current project with integrative thinking. Mm-hmm. But I want to go I want to go back a little bit before that, and I want um you um you had a blog post back in the day that um, talked about finding courage. And I think this is, this is sort of so important for educators, especially when we start, I think, to talk about um, creating risk opportunities, positive risk opportunities for our students. And there's a whole lot of, oblig- not obligation, there's a whole lot of assumption that if we, if we sort of edu wash the heck out of it, we can create language that suggests that risk is, you know, sort of like the the structured risk for students is a good thing. Like like they're going to benefit from it. They're going to get um, resiliency and learning skills and develop work habits to sort of be kind of supportive of of changing environments and dynamic environments. But I still bring it back to what's the What's the sort of driver within a teacher, though, to sort of demonstrate? Because there's no, there isn't someone creating those structured moments for us as teachers. Right. We have to find ways, I think, this my philosophy, we have to find ways to do it, to find them intuitively. 
and just kind of say, I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to dance in front of my students, or I'm going to sing in front of my students, or I'm going to try a new lesson plan or bring in a new technology. Um, so back in the day, one of your posts was talking about the courage to move beyond pleasing other people. And I found that a, like a, a profound piece because you laid out very clearly areas of your educational world where you felt like you were externalizing or looking to satisfy others and not yourself first. Can you can you speak to that a little bit? Like what that moment, not necessarily the blog post, but just that turning point for you of realizing it strikes me that you sort of had that moment, aha moment, I got to do this for myself. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of like that, you know, you're, you're hitting bottom. And, and, and I don't mean, you know, to be trite about, you know, people who have really difficult times in their life. I wasn't going through something that was dramatically, traumatically difficult. But in a sense, I was in terms of my thinking about myself as or the value of myself as an educator mm -hmm. I was I was really quite desperate for a change but could not figure out how I could make that change happen I did not realize that in fact I had the power and the ability to make that change within my own classroom but I was uh you know I went I went through school I went, went right from high school to university basically to teach at college to teaching and I had never known in at that time you know 40 some years anything different than the traditional uh boundaries and limitations of school and so i was questioning why i felt that way without really having any other any benchmark any any understanding why so it was kind of this traumatic shift so i said maybe i'll try admin so i got my courses and and i thought this is what it was going to be and i had a couple of interviews and i you know, got all the way to that point and they said, no, thank you. You still have some growth to do. And, you know, it, it, it hurts a bit, but you say, okay, I'm going to try this. And then I had another interview and, and it was the same kind of reaction. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, what's going on? You know, is this karma I'm putting out? You know, and one of my friends said to me, a really kind and very wise female friend said to me, it's a sign, Jill. There, there's something's telling you something, you know, just be patient. And, and I wasn't being patient at all. And, um, you know, over the last three or four years, I have become hugely uh, more energetic, happier. Um, you know, I still struggle with pieces because I, I'm, I'm constantly learning. So I, I get into frustration levels. I get to, you know, get stuck in places. But I, I think that for me, it was some some out of courage uh, to say you know what i i am valuable enough to to and and i'm smart enough and and i'm i'm worth it to to take the risk for myself to move forward and uh you know i got you know it's a really great positive family too who you know sometimes they say i don't even know what you do like <laughs> <laughs> what great you teaching again i don't even know what you're doing. Uh, i kept it very very private i realized that that my work life was very private and that was interesting to me to in the shift that I've done now, they know exactly what I'm doing. They'll, like I just had an article published in the Ontario Music Educator Association and I was showing my kids and they're like, mom, you're in a, you're in a magazine, that's so cool. You know, and I thought I, I might not have done that before because there was such a strong separation between my, my personal value and my personal life and my work life. And I had to kind of say, you know, 
smart up. You know, you take a risk and, and uh, do things differently. Do things because you know it's the right thing to do and it, for the kids that, that you work with and the families that, uh, you know, let you have their kids you know, for six, mm-hmm. seven hours. And, you know, and also for yourself. Like, yeah, it was kind of a smarten up moment, I guess. It's very cool. Congratulations on getting published. It's definitely the, oh. it's, it's definitely the type <laughs> of energy. No, you have to – honoring self is important. And I've had, you know, the – I've so many takeaways from doing this podcast. But one of the things that I, I find coming up is that you, you need to take pause. Sorry, you don't. I do when I listen to this. And I think to myself, you know, you ha- there has to be some celebration to that. There's so much – there's so much of, of what we do that is prescriptive that feels like it is for somebody else. But when you say yes for yourself and you make it happen, there's celebration yeah. there. there. And there really should be. And and so many of my colleagues so quickly will celebrate the other, whether it's yes. the student or their, their colleague. And yet so, you know, abashed at the possibility that somehow they should sort of just put their fists in there and say, man, I did I did this thing. It's it's an yeah. it's an important bit of energy. So kudos to that. That's that's really cool. Well, it was it was no well, with uh, my mom. You know, she's she's a super uh, big fan <laughs> lately of me of mine, in which I find you know it's so interesting as as we age and we have you know our relationships change with our uh, the parent child, and I now have almost. I have three teenagers, so my relationship's constantly changing with them. But when I was going to the present at the conference in Washington, and and I was, you know, I, I my mom was was uh, emailing me, "How's it going? How's it going?" And I said, "Oh, I just, you know, it was was at this wine and cheese, and I talked to John Hattie, and I was so so excited, and and I said, I can't believe this is happening." And she emailed me back like, "Well, why can't you believe it's happening, Jill? Like you're awesome. Of course you would want to talk to me." Why <laughs> And you know, and, and you know, she doesn't know who John Hattie is, and and, and you know, that, she gets that, the dynamic though. That's the, the thing; she totally gets the dynamic. Yeah, so I think that having those kind of people in your life are you know, are important too. And then, like you say, giving yourself pause to say, "Yeah, this is pretty pretty great," because you have to give off that vibe too, or or Chris Cuff won't want to talk to you. That's oh, <laughs> oh, jeez. I almost feel like just for a second, I got sl- I got slightly set put in the same galaxy as like Hattie and Fullen. And I'm just going to like, I'm going to, I'm a fan. I totally want that t-shirt. <laughs> and maybe tattoos. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm going to, I'm going to start. Well, like I said, I'm sending you a, a chasing squirrel sticker. Maybe I can sort of next, next round. Once I get through my, my stash, I'll, I'll put sort of lickable stickers for the people that have chatted with me just as something a little bit more prominent. I'll get them to tweet it out. I was on Chasing Squirrels and I got a tattoo for it. Yep. So I'm, I'm circling, I'm circling towards integrative, but you, you, you gave me a stop first. And I, I think it was in, um, I think, I think a lot about, um, the whole ZPD thing. So that idea of somehow setting up that context for a student and kind of like, watching the context to see if the student what they'll do when you sort of put them in a situation yeah. like where are they going to go are they going to rise are they going to fall what are the little bits that you have to add to it just to kind of keep them on track yeah. and i think that we do a really great job in general as educators um especially now as we have deeper conversations about modern learning but i think we do a pretty good job of 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 setting the stage so to speak 
But if I back it up one step, I'm curious, who does that for you? So who's your go-to person that you feel yeah. like is kind of setting context for you to, yeah. to step up and do the amazing work that you do? Oh, that is such a, a hugely amazing question. Uh, it's funny because I was really thinking deeply about that. How, yeah, how important it is for us as educators, as learners, as teachers, as researchers, whatever kind of stance we, we would be in that time, to have that um, go-to person. So in, in, a, in a quiet way, um, there's an amazing guy named um, Mark Husband. He's doing his PhD at York in primary math. And I sat in on some of his classes on my four or five leave, and he, his, he totally changed and shifted the way I, I think about things, just watching how he was helping teacher candidates reimagine what teaching and learning of math looked like. Mm -hmm. And he did it in such subtle ways it, through, you know, tasks and provocations that invited such a huge variety uh, of um, solution sets and of thinking and of answers. But the one thing that I'm trying, that I've taken from him directly is this idea of feedback as questioning, hmm. constantly supporting student learning through offering a question rather than a telling this, the, the notion of telling and what that means. And, and he, he, he would be one of those people who pushes my thinking. I'll say something out. Oh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to ask, you know, the group of, um, people in the AQ course I'm working with, I got to ask them what they think learning is. And he'll say, well, what do you think learning is? <laughs> well, what is learning? And I'll go, oh, oh, okay. He always see you. He's, he's, he has that incredible ability um, to do that. Um, and I think it's uh, another person who, who does it uh, is, I don't know, some, sometimes it's just those really um, amazing aha moments of um, of a, a couple books that I've been reading, you know, visible thinking. That's a good one. It's a tough one, but it's a really good one. But it's more the conversations that uh, recently our staff jumped on it. So I read it last year, but on second read, I'm getting so much more out of it. And because we're doing it as a small primary, our division in our school, uh, I'm getting tons out of the conversation of that. And so, uh, so John Hattie, going back to John Hattie again. Well, you know, he's he's visible learning yep. is making thinking visible oh okay and making visible is um is uh, uh ron richard and he's from um harvard and they project zero it's the visible thinking um the think the thinking routines it's 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 really cool thinking yeah i have, an, I have a friend uh well, another friend at york who I can, you know, just kind of touch base with and bounce things off of. And she's got a, she does similar to Mark. She will not answer me. She will question or redirect me <laughs> in a really kind way. And that is, uh, is really empowering as, as a learner, I guess, in that stance. But I'm looking to try to build that, you know, within my, my, my realm of school and, and, and I find it, there are pieces that I, that I can lean on different pieces on different people for. That's awesome. I was in a convo with a a very well connected uh, mentor of mine, and I was talking about uh, 
this mini conference that I was at and sort of just kind of throwing down similar energy that you're throwing down right now because I can it it you when you listen when you listen back to this podcast and I, and I hope you do you will definitely hear the difference between what is um basically the lead up to that question and how heightened your energy was like these I'm getting I'm getting the the digital vibes here like these are really key players in your current thinking and mm-hmm. I you also I do believe that you can't have that type of energy or positivity about key players unless you also believe they're going to take you somewhere next so it's mm-hmm. not just right now that you're jazzed up about it it's like I got so much from these that I'm just I I don't know what to action first I'm going to I'm going to try this I'm going to try that like you almost feel you know like you're just zipping around like a hummingbird with the different possibilities Mm-hmm. So I was in a similar energy space talking to a colleague and he said, you know what? I, I wish I, I, I haven't had that moment in a while. I, I haven't had that where I felt like somebody kind of got inside my brain and my soul and answered questions that I didn't even know I was asking yet, because that can be a pretty revelatory moment where you're just like, oh, my gosh, like that's totally what I sort of say to myself when I don't tell anybody else my thoughts. Mm-hmm. So I love I love the wow factor that you're throwing down because I it, the, the whole the whole need for us to exist out with our staff, with our students, with our school and outside of that, it's one of the things that I often say is to go on that search means that you do sometimes have to step outside um of your region or your board. You you have to almost yeah. be prepared and the resources are everywhere tell me more about the idea of a mentor because i i was purposely searching for a mentor within like the district our, our school district but was finding that to be a challenge because it's almost like you know you you can't be one-sided it needs to almost be a you know certainly a relationship i think you could set mentorship programs up but mm-hmm know how successful that that is when you know both people aren't invested in it in the same way or equally or you know mutually in a mutually beneficial way Mm -hmm. but like how did you find your mentor um for me it came down to so for let me i'll 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 say something else I, i think you're good with it with 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 you know these individuals that are part of your sort of your critical care package the ones that you feel like you can because I do, I think that um, whoever it is that you include in your professional learning network, uh, someone often put it like they have their their Navy SEAL list and then they have the broader list. So the Navy yeah. SEAL list are those ones that you know you can throw out a message, and yeah. you're and you're going to get an answer. Um, yeah. And then the broader one is more where you're just kind of you're following and gathering resources, but there isn't this sort of reciprocity that really reciprocity and engagement that you get with that shorter list. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would say that if the individuals that you spoke of before, they sound like they either directly exist in that space or provide enough content that you feel like you're supported because it can be, you know, you could I, I was talking with someone last night and they, they got a book from Star Saxstein that they said was an amazing book about changing how you how you grade. And it was a good book to read. But then they sort of had a couple Twitter conversations with star and all of a sudden it became a key anchor to their relationship. Like it became the thing that was sort of like the driver to their, 
their common interest. So it's on one hand, I guess I'm just setting up. It sounds like you have some of that going on with the individuals that you mentioned previously. As far as me finding a mentor, um, it it happened in interesting ways. I am at my heart an apprentice when I was going through. I'm very much the person that um, in my learning style, I'm highly auditory and and slightly visual, but I'm very um you know, I kind of have a third. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a real sensitive guy. I'll just put it that way. So when someone is talking to me, I am in, I am soaking up the words that they say to me, but I'm also <laughs> picking up the nuances of what they're saying. So that the shape of what they're saying, and and I track it well. Um, I blame my mom, I guess. Um, my dad was was a great. My mom, my mom was oversensitive. My dad was just a great conversationalist. So between the two of them that's something that led me to the understanding that I need to apprentice with people. So I need to, that social relationship of learning is key to me. Now in high school, I didn't know that I've actually just come to embrace that more in my professional life. And I think that any of the courses that I didn't do well in AKA grade 10 math, (laughs) I won't go back there, but that was really what it was where I actually felt like I was stripped of the relationship. It was, I felt it with the teacher was just being a insert bad word. Um, but I think what it was, was the inability for me to establish rapport whatsoever. So mm-hmm. me doing apprenticeships, I like to align myself with people that I feel are both willing to work with me, but are also um, open in the way that they share and obvious in the way that they share and are so out there on the fringe that at some point I don't expect to make it to the fringe, but their tide will will sort of create some sort of like trajectory for me. And then I'll just go off on my own. So back in October, I was listening to a, no, September, I was listening to a podcast by a fella, his name's Roland Chidiak. And he was talking with another guy named Stephen Hurley. And Mm -hmm. Stephen Stephen Hurley is a, a former, I guess he's still an educator, but he was former, in a former life, he was associated with Peel Region. And now he works for Canadian Educators Association, one of, part of his portfolio. And in the podcast near the tail end, they were talking a whole bunch of things. And one of the things they mentioned is how the CEA is getting some regional exchanges together. So at the tail end of the podcast, they say, yeah, just go to such and such website and put in a proposal, like who you are, what you're sort of bringing to the conversation. So I went to that. I put it in. I was like, okay, let's see how this flies. And I got accepted and they, I went and that was the turning point. I met individuals there that I had kind of followed online and I had read about in, you know, Teach Magazine and CEA documentation. And I met them in real time and pretty much how you said, you know, when you're hanging with Hattie and Fullen and you're like, these dudes like Chardonnay. I like Chardonnay. Let's go sit down. It was very much like that. And I now have what I would say is a very strong collection of digital individuals that um, I also have real-time connections. I've met them and sort of sat down with them as well. And they've furthered my thinking in, I won't say, I can't say more than what I could have accessed in our region, but I will say it's more than what I had before. Mm -hmm. I don't, I've always been in small programs where I felt like I was the one drive entirely responsible for driving my curiosity and just kind of like 
waiting for somebody to notice hey what are you doing over there why do you draw and then teach and then kind of like sit down and meditate like all these kind of things that are the nuanced parts or actually not nuanced completely obvious like if you're to watch me i am a squirrel in the class so if i teaching you're, you're like why do you do that i'm like because i feel like better when i teach like that and the kids ask questions like it's almost curious to watch me teach so as far as my mentorship goes, these individuals, and we've kind of parlayed that into a um, voice ed, which I can connect you with afterwards, is Stephen Hurley's project of internet radio. Yeah. And it's all about education. Um, I've done some broadcasts there, and we have a hashtag on ed mentors, which is specific to target pre-service teachers, but we're starting to get broader conversations of people that just want to be a part of that conversation but like you I don't know if I've found here's the thing I don't know if I've really really looked but I don't but right now I don't have a mentor I'll put Will Gurley in a mentor definitely definitely he's one I have a I have a a great connection with the guy but I don't have a um, I don't have a real-time actual that I would meet on a regular basis well, it's interesting that uh, one of the things I picked up on was your comment that it wasn't necessarily that you couldn't get it from within, you know, your context or within the board or or the good learning that is here. Mm-hmm. It just it had to be connected in a different way. It had to be amplified because yes. of that yes. experiment. And that, that's the interesting piece for me. And I think that's one of the key learnings that we're taking away in general in education now is that you you cannot sit well i it's funny because i say to the kids in my class all the time you can't sit and wait for the learning to come to you you have to go to the learning constantly that that is one of the things that we share in our grade three four class you need to come to the learning now you you don't sit and wait for it but uh, that that is one of the traditional models of of teaching and learning in our schools where you know it didn't matter if you were really really excited about finding out about microwaves that's not what we're doing right now yeah that's so, not the lesson today yeah yeah so but but then if that's all we knew as students then that's all we know as teachers mm-hmm. but like yeah. we were mentioning before i think that's shifting and i think individuals that i think it's okay to have that i'm i'm a i'm a um, old system and new system i'm mm-hmm. not a old system just like burn it to the ground, salt the earth, and let's just jump into new systems. I don't. I I believe everything about education is, as I've seen so far, is it's an evolution, it's an iteration, but it's based on. There's a whole lot of sound approaches that diversify. So, yeah, I think that individuals can hold on to old ways, but I've. I also think at some point they need to let go of old ways just long enough to exist in that ambiguity of what will happen next. Just to really see if there's true value or true stability in the next step or if they need to move back to old ways. Yeah, and that brings us back to exactly what you, you mentioned at the beginning. That's risky. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's risky. But it's that 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 you know I, I always like the question, uh, but what if we don't? Yeah. It's not a what if we do, but what if we don't? I think that's the, going to have the greater impact. If we, what if we don't try this? What if we don't shift? What if we don't, you know, just do something? Just just try something out new and, and see, mm-hmm. see what happens. Open your eyes to see what's going out, you know, in your neighbor's classroom and your, you know, your friend's school. You know, what if we don't uh, 
let go of this whole idea that that knowledge is proprietary yeah and i think we see that in in within our teaching system too you know like somebody does something really really great you know if you share well now it's not i don't own it anymore but well but isn't that the great thing that we all get to do it now like that 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 idea of and what next yeah so it yeah let's let's iterate let's run run left with it and who's going to run right with it you got it yeah it's cool so um, we have arrived. Well, I, I'll tell you, I actually wrote down here and put a couple circles around it because at some point you wrote the whole, I think you had mentioned before that whole, I wonder, the power of that statement, I wonder. Mm-hmm. And what, um, not to be, you know, too cheesy about it, what I'm wondering about right now. Yeah, that was not bad. Eh? Um, yeah. So this brings us up to the current project that you're involved with so the integrative thinking yes and i think we're in a really cool spot now talking about you know kind of touching on necessity for change and go to the learning and um how you've sort of demonstrated that sort of risk taking and you know you've met some of the big ships in our ocean these individuals that have sound like they've really sparked big thoughts big thoughts in your head and now you land in this integrative thinking, uh, I, I don't want to call it a project because it's actually, it's it's closer to what would be a year-long uh, additional qualification, I guess. So, Well, it's a practicum program. Yeah. yeah. So shape it out. What is this thing? Oh, so cool. So last February, you know, again, on my, my year of yes, my, my four or five lever, I just said, geez, if I've got the time and the and the money and the energy, I'm, I'm going to give it a go. So I found out about this. Um, Heidi Suak is an educator who's now seconded to the ministry, but she was a, an, uh, from the Hamilton board. And I had kind of stumbled onto some of her posts on Twitter and found her very, just very smart, what she was saying. Um, so I, I kind of jumped on her thinking and found out about this integrative um uh, thinking day. And so I said, well, I'm going to, you know, go to the day and, and see how it is. And it was interesting because it was quite different, quite a big kind of dramatic shift thinking the first time I went. And, and I, I started kind of, I guess, thinking about this thinking, uh, because I didn't really quite understand what they were talking about yet. Like this, the whole idea of Roger Martin's book is called the opposable mind. And the idea that, that some of the, the great, it's coming from a business model, but the great business thinkers, it's not necessarily what they did, that it's the, and not even the process of how they did it, but how they allowed the opportunities to even be imagined because they could take two completely opposable ideas and just hold that space in their mind open as long as possible until every single idea could be sussed out could be played with could be you know could, could be imagined could be touched and that for me at that time was kind of out there was kind of i couldn't i couldn't put my finger on it and so uh, they have um three basic tools for thinking that they offered and one of them is causal modeling just basically, you know, you have a, a problem or an issue that you're needing to understand and you need to say, well, what caused that? So it, it 
presents itself a little bit like a mind map, but mind map kind of goes to the thinks and the knows, where this really, I, I started to, it's, it was tricky for me to understand it, but I got it because I was thinking a lot about the Reggio um, in, in early learning where it's, I wonder, and, yeah. and, and it's not going, I, I see, I, I think I wonder is usually the natural protocol. And I've learned from Ellen Brown, she's a doctoral student at York in early, early learning. She frames it as I wonder, or sorry, I notice, or I see, or I notice, I wonder, I think. Because if we can go into the wondering first, we may open up greater possibilities for what might come next. If we go to think too soon, we're actually coming up with a conclusion. And so I was also thinking a lot about critical thinking because I was involved in our um, our central networks um, team from our school. You know, go and get together with all the other schools in our in our area, and everybody kept coming up with the same problem of practice, which is, you know, our students need to be better at critical thinking, and if we, you know, develop more chances for them or more skill sets or whatever the language was for them to, to be critical thinking, then, you know, they will use this in, in their, in their um, communication and in their application and, and things like that. But I kept saying, but what is critical thinking? Like, and how are we going to do that? And I got, got thinking, I don't even know if I even understand what we're talking about. So this all started to come together for me. And then they, um, Rotman offered the, I think, program for a, a couple summer days. So I, I attended that and then I was completely hooked because I started to really see that this was, this was not a way to look for answers, but it was a way to look for more and more questions. And, and, and then it connected with my thinking about George Kuros and, and Kuros and innovation, you know, where we have to, where we're, if we can just keep thinking broader and broader and broader, certainly we are going to come eventually to a to a conclusion, or we need to come with up with a solution set. But can't we just the process of that? You know, it's so engaging and so creative and so um, collaborative, and it was, I don't know, it just got bigger and bigger in, in my mind. So, um, the three tools um, are causal modeling, the ladder of inference, and pro pro charts. And learning to use the tools has been quite a journey to really understand them. And I would not say I'm an expert in any means, but I'm giving them a go with, you know, the eight, nine and 10 year olds in my class. And it's uh, pretty amazing the thinking that comes when you teach this tool for thinking and then apply it when needed. I have nine-year-olds, you know, in the classroom saying, oh, that's not data, though. You've jumped up the ladder of inference. <laughs> that's awesome. It's pretty awesome. So it takes a lot of time. So this goes back to that other and another piece that I, I think about a lot, which is going slow to go fast. Mm. Uh, that's become very, very important for me. And being a grade three, four teacher, you know, EQAO, EQAO is looming on the horizon and I'm okay with that. I'm at peace with it because I know that that the, the kids in my class, we are so taking so much time to work through thinking rather in, in the content is driven through there rather than the other way around. Right. 
That's awesome. The um, you make me think of a a quote, and I wish I could remember the dude's name, but it talks about the tragedy of sending a, a changed individual back into an unchanged system, and mm-hmm. and on one on one end of that, I feel slightly comical, just to start this one off because. Uh, being involved in alternative programming for a large part of my career, sitting at a staff meeting when the sort of package slides are being delivered and we have the group share and the jigsaw, um, I I felt I had a lot to say, but I felt like it wasn't in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, the conversations that were happening to develop us professionally didn't didn't connect well with where my mindset was so that's sort of comedic i mean part of it is i found a way obviously i'll I'll talk about literacy numbers and i'll talk about you know why is how do we move kids from level three to four so the things that you know becomes a part of part of the common conversations at staff meetings but i wonder um i'm getting the sense like this kind of lifted your brain out of your head and really kind of painted it with different colors and then put it back in and said you go dude let's see what you're going to do with this now and I I think become the most important for me was that uh two pieces one was again coming out of the the early learning thinking which is really how do we think about children as learners Mm -hmm. and as little people uh do do we think that they are you know there's that common empty vessels to be filled you know, with knowledge, and that's the that's the purpose of schooling, and that's my job as a teacher. Um, but also, not only in terms of their their cognitive development, but their social emotional de- development. You know, like, where does kindness and empathy and compassion really come in? And I'm not talking about behaviorally, but also through the learning. And that's what these tools do. Mm-hmm. They, they it, it's it's very compassionate and empathetic to understand that all this time to do thinking and to allow everyone's opinions and and solutions that that are way out there you know that the way more way out there the better because we need to think about everything before we can you know come up with uh, a new piece and and i'm i think i'm thinking right now about the pro pro chart it's not pro con somebody doesn't always have to give up for us to go forward somebody doesn't have to give in or or devalue their thinking you know uh to find this new solution in fact we can look at all the the best of both completely different opposable models and come up with something that just was never thought of before that innovative piece sometimes it's iterative but you know sometimes it's going to be really innovative and not every time but the process of going through there through that in that way is so kind because it's Mm-hmm. I'm telling again I'm not telling you the answer you are developing the answer you are doing the learning and, if, and- I was going to say if I, if I make a mistake in iterative um, I feel so much better about it than when I make a mistake in zero sum thinking that idea that somehow by me gaining you have to lose that pie is one size so yeah, well and that's that's the idea I, I think about with the, um, you know, this idea that we have to own knowledge. 
You know, like it's a race to who knows more, who has memorized more, who has gained more. That, you know, that's the winner in the end rather than we all will win when we all think about it different ways and, you know, can support uh, greater and greater thinking and new innovative ideas. And, and I think that that's what the workplace is demanding that, that, you know, the students of today will be workers of tomorrow and that kind of thinking, that kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, what they say, right? Like it takes five years to shift the philosophy or, or the shift the culture in the business world and it, it takes 50 years in education right so you know along that way of, of shifting the culture it, it, it needs to be kind and compassionate in terms of the learner i think i think i think that I yeah it's the- there's something interesting to though that because i think that you see these these you do see quicker faster drastic shifts when when risk and mistake and failure and calamity are supported in the right way and there's something really i mean to be a teacher in ontario is a is it can be a a very nice insular job you can keep moving forward in your job and it's not it's not as if that's a bad it's that's not a bad thing per se but it also means that um the drive the drivers that create the noticing that something could be different and you are the one that could bring that difference um i don't know if there i don't know if there's faculty conversations about that i i think you and i talked before we started recording that much a a large part of what i look at as my professional learning network is that i'm I, i include dissonant voices so i include people that i i know that I, I don't, I'm not offended necessarily by them, but they challenge my thinking and their thinking is different. And I yeah. also include individuals that have absolutely no connection to education, but I feel like I can steal their ideas. I feel like I can sort of take that and, and work it into my pedagogy. Yeah, that, no, that's really interesting because then, well, that, that kind of breaks down that barrier too. Like we say we want to build a community of learning, but yet, you know, you can only come into my class when I say, and, you know, I'm only going to send home the notes that I say, and it becomes, you know, very controlled. But if we can break down those barriers in terms of understanding how, you know, how much um, knowledge and how much wealth we have of, of understanding with the families that we have, uh, yeah, it's it, for our learning as a teacher. I, I have a a family of one of my students and the dad said, you know, at my, at my job, uh, we have the largest 3D printer in, I think, North America because they manufacture car parts and they do wow. it in 3D printer. He said, do you think the kids would like to come? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would like to come. I was going to say, yeah, you know? I need a new bumper. And that's a very, very simple conversation parents night about, I, I, he mentioned that I said, oh, I've been reading up about you know, the 3D printers and how cool they are. I love these, you know, our kids to do something this year about them and they're and off we go. You know, but I, I couldn't learn that within my school. I could not learn that from my administrators, you know, being lead learners. I could not learn learn that from a consultant in the board. Um, you have to, you know, really break down some of these barriers in our in our practice of, of that way, of our practice of learning, not mm-hmm. only teaching. Um. I like that you you sort of you, you brought in the, a little bit of the, the parent teacher night there and that kind of opportunity to broaden the learning community to include parents in some of that planning has always been a, an interesting kind of um, unicorn to me. I can remember starting 
uh, I think it was at some PD session where we were talking about the necessary stakeholders for lesson design. And, you know, they kind of, a lot of people would start to put down the bulleted notes. And at the top of the list, I put parents. And someone looked over at my page and just kind of guffawed. And then I, they're like, hey, check out what Clough wrote. And I said, well, what if? What if the parents played a little bit more structured role in lesson design? Like, there's some really interesting conversation there. On one end, exactly the one that you're in, you have a parent that's willing to share resources. Mm -hmm. Boom, like, that's awesome. And you're going to figure out a way to make that work in your in your day because it's just a connection that doesn't come every day. Um, but then I also start to think about, I put um, uh, elementary school teachers and they're like, you know, I know the, the guy beside me is like, really, Clough, like that too? I'm like, sure. What if our lesson planning included conversations with our elementary partners so that we have better understanding of that sort of that spectrum of skill sets that could exist. And this is sort of like in pursuit of the whole K to 12 model. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not entirely, I, I'm falling more on the, on the side right now currently as looking at as a pipeline and not a, um, and not a supportive system, like an organic supportive system for growth. I'm going to find my way through that. But where I kind of land on that is this opportunity right now where between you and I and, Maybe my hundreds of thousands of listeners. I don't know. Probably not. I, I say that. I just, yeah, I know. Um, but what if from from where from where you are, what could be some cool conversations that you wish were happening more often between elementary and secondary? Well, I was lucky to have one to go back to that that K to twelve network, uh, central network, a couple of years ago. We got paired up, and I was sitting beside a, a high school grade 12 business teacher and he was really excited to share a project he was doing where the kids you know he brought in something to really spur the conversation and then they had to choose which direction they were going to go to and they thought about you know how they were going to make this project go and you know they, the outcome was going to come and they worked through and he was supporting it and they said oh so you brought in a provocation and he said a who what <laughs> a, a, a provocation you know, you 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 bring in a thing or or a, a picture or a poem, and it's you know it just provokes the kids' thinking. And when that one kid says that one thing that hooks you in exactly where you need to go in the curriculum, you know you can help guide some thinking into there. It's what I do in kindergarten. So the grade twelve and the kindergarten teacher are having this fantastic uh, educators conversation about developing success criteria with our learners hmm. you know with my four-year-old four-year-old learners and his 17 year old learners but it was the process of of putting the the student in the center of the thinking of that planning and engaging them in an authentic way and then having them show their learning i mean it's not much different at the sand table as it was in the grade 12 business class i know eh? <laughs> yeah so in that way i think it's really important because it's not about we can it's a pipeline if we're stuck in curriculum yes but it's not a pipeline if we're stuck in process if we're thinking about process and we're thinking about thinking uh the the, the curriculum content will just find its way we, mm -hmm. we will we are professionals and we are very smart and that's our job is to have that curriculum uh piece present in the lesson 
but if we think about it from you know the driving of the process of the lesson design uh the the importance of you know choosing the assessments that are going to help show the learning and then help us decide what our next teacher move is for our next uh lesson then then i think we we need to be having it in a k-12 we need to open up our doors you can, you know, you can only have conversations with the same people so many times. Yes. We're all now starting to think the same. And that's, that's, that's one of my, uh, think, I think that really made a big difference after taking a year to kind of reflect on things. There's some great things about having people on staff, you know, the same people on staff for, for a long time because there's comfort and then you can start to have conversations maybe differently. But at the same time, we all end up I think we had this before we started recording. We're all now speaking exactly the same language and nobody's yeah. thinking about engagement differently. Everybody's thinking engagement is sitting on the carpet with your legs crossed. Mm -hmm. Nobody's thinking about empowerment. Nobody's thinking about transformational change in thinking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's um, I, I I came to my husband's office to sit because it was a quiet place, <laughs> and he's having a busy evening. <laughs> well, until until the kids start calling, Mom, where are you? Oh, that's so, right. That's well, funny. to that to that, um, we are we're 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 coming up on the hour. It's flown by. Yeah. It, it's flown by. I have um, I have the the I think whether it was on mic or before mic, the whole chasing squirrels thing came from way back in the day, long before there was ever any inkling that I was going to become a teacher. Um, I was living in Toronto and I adopted my fiance and I at the time we adopted a dog and we came out of our uh, our apartment. Sorry, I, she came out with the dog and the dog was sort of in a harness and we hadn't, we didn't, hadn't figured out the dog's story yet. Very pleasant dog. We still have the dog 16 years later. Darcy is her name. So um, Darcy kind of gets out on the springy cord lead ahead of my spouse and zips around the side of this large maple that's on the front of the house, uh, out front of the lawn. And as my spouse gets around the corner, the dog has grabbed a squirrel off the tree. And Ooh. yeah, I know, eh? Like, but doesn't that just like create incredible thoughts of opportunity in your head? Like whoever catches a squirrel, like it just doesn't happen. So the story, and of course, I mean, my dog is like, it, it, she's sort of nosing the thing, like kind of like bouncing her face off at the squirrel screaming and freaking out. And, and my spouse sort of gives the few like stop commands and screams and she's having, like, she's just kind of freaking out. So dog pauses, squirrel runs up the tree and that's the end of the story. It's like, they kind of walk on like, well, whatever, I almost caught a squirrel. Thanks a lot for interrupting me. But the story, <laughs> it stuck with me only in so much as like, because I still think about that. And like, how many times have you sort of, and maybe it's a never for you, but like I've walked up to a squirrel and I'm like, hey, I'd like to get a closer look at you, little fella. And they corkscrew around the tree and they're always just beyond your reach. And then all of a sudden they're like 15 branches up above you. It's like, holy crap, how'd you get all the way up there? That's pretty phenomenal. And somehow my dog grabbed one. And I, and I, it stuck in my head is that, that suddenness sometimes in that moment of change where you're, you're just so stunned by the fact that you actually created change or that you've you're in it's in your hands and you still don't know what to do with it whether planned or otherwise so this idea of sort of accidental and intentional change and that became kind of like the the the, the back frame 
I'm still working through it, but kind of the back frame to also why I called it the podcast for what it was, but also that whole, how do we as educators, what are we leveraging within the system? And, and how do we see ourselves playing a part in that future system that maybe we won't actually see our own changes? Like we're sort of slowly moving the, the beast forward. So here's the question for you. If I use the example of my, uh, <laughs> my dog, the squirrel hunter, um, what squirrel do you feel like you're chasing right now? What's that thing that you just, you, you know, you know it, you, you want to get there, but it's, it feels like it's just beyond your reach. Wow. 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 Uh, that would be, um, just, oh, the, well, it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm stuck on two things. I'm stuck on the, the idea of how, the powerful tools of integrative thinking and how we can, you know, just em empower student learning mm -hmm. uh, so the learning is not a, an, an 8 to 2.30 or a 9 to 3.30 journey that you know there I, I get Google messages hey Miss Ambolich uh, I was just working on some Google slides if you want to take a look at them Saturday afternoons at 3 o'clock <laughs> and, and I often will I, I often will do that because I think that that learning doesn't stop there but I would love I would love to see you know eventually that we are not uh, grading uh, with numbers and letters mm. anymore on on you know seven year olds papers. I I just would love to see that day where they there is so much support and ton and feedback and assessment that that we can do it without having to to label and you know put put that that unnecessary I think pressure on kids. I think we can have competition and great conversations without having to label them into being a a B minus. That's cool. It's that's something that is right now on my horizon, sort of looking, looking at how to leverage that. How do I, how do I go from the theory of, from belief and theory to practice? And yeah, what we say and what we do. That's that's the big trick. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I hope to sit across from you at the same table hashing this one out. Listen, I'm going to be in your group. That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> Well, here we are. We're at the end of the hour. This has been awesome. Um, where do you want people to find you? Where would you, if, if, if people are throwing down questions or they want to connect with you or find out more about the Integrative Thinking Project or any of the other stuff, the bits that you've thrown down, how to get a job at Canada Trust, all that kind of <laughs> stuff, where would, where would you like to be found? Good times. Uh, Twitter, at Jill Stam, Jill with one L. So it's at J-I-L-S-T-A-M. This was awesome. Oh, my <laughs> joy. This has been a fantastic night. Thanks. Thanks Thank for you. including me in this group. No, this is great. Thanks for talking with me. And uh, we're going to connect soon. I can't wait to keep passing you in the digital hallways or at the next Pub PD session. For sure. All right. Take care, Jill. Thanks, Chris. You're welcome. Good night. Chasing Squirrels podcast can be found on iTunes and Podbean. If you want to reach out to me and have a conversation, I can be found on Twitter at Chris J. Cluck. I also have a blog on Blogspot of the same name, Chris J. Cluck. And some of my postings can be found on Medium, which I think I have under the exact same name. I really appreciate the time that you spent 
with the podcast this evening. If you ever want to be on the podcast, please reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to talk with you. And I am truly, truly grateful for you sharing your time with me. Take care.